As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And this is a very special... Oh, well, that's Corinne. I'm Sabrina. This is a Hi. very special episode of Two Girls, One Ghost because it's not like our ordinary episodes. Usually we research Mm-mm. something or we read your encounters. But remember how Corinne and I are haunted and how we bonded over the fact that we were raised in haunted homes or around the paranormal? Yes. This is part one of our personal encounters. That is true. We thought, skip the research. Look within. (laughs) Figure out what happened in our past to bring us here. Yeah. And so we're going to tell you all of our ghost stories. Or this episode. In my case, probably like 15%. That's so wild. And it's so interesting because I feel like over the years you've told me and our listeners some of these stories. But every time you go to tell a story of yours, I'm like, I have not heard this one. And how have I not heard this one yet? The fact that we've been doing it for five and a half years and I'm still learning new things about you is, or new hauntings about you and new things about you. It's new hauntings. Incredible. And terrifying. I mean, it is terrifying. When you grow up in a haunted house, I feel like there's just an accumulation of little hauntings that happen Mm -hmm. and they don't feel significant enough to tell people. And so I feel like in the past, my experiences that I have told on other podcasts or told to you or, or throughout the history of ours have really just been a mean few. And so I'll probably retell it's fine. Version, versions, short shorthand versions of those today. 
But I did try to mark down in chronological order some of the larger things okay. that have happened or, and mix in a few little things okay. as well. I feel like this is your life story. Like if you were to write an autobiography or a memoir, it would be this episode. You know what I'm upset with myself about is that in high school, I think it was my freshman or sophomore year. I'm about to sneeze, which is why I'm making these weird faces. <laughs> it was freshman or sophomore year of high school. I got like a black book mm-hmm. that was really, really thick and it had lined paper on the inside. And I was like, I'm going to start writing down every single experience that I have wow. and every step that I take to like discover my spirituality. And so I probably wrote in that thing for a year. And then, of course, I'm the person who goes through and no. if I don't finish <gasps> a project, I like dump you it. You threw it out? And so that book, yeah, probably like, sometime in college I went in and was like, oh, I don't need this anymore. I clearly never stuck with it and then tossed it. I'm so sad. <laughs> I know. It's sitting in like a I know. waste facility somewhere. Ugh. And it has so much potential. Gosh. I know. I'm so bummed. I wish you could look at like when you're going through old clothes or old memorabilia, whatever it may be, nostalgic things from your childhood, you could touch it and it will signal to you if this will be important in your life later. Zap it back in you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just maybe some homework for myself where I'll sit down one day and try to like truly write out everything that I can remember in chronological order. And then maybe I'll just like say from here on, all the stories aren't from my memory, but will have happened essentially live. Like I'll jot things down as soon as they happen. But But for now, we'll see. I guess our podcast, our podcast is that for a lot of people where they just keep replying in the email thread and we get to see the the different things that happen to them wherever they end up living and and all of the hauntings they accumulate over time. Yeah. But for this episode, I'm going to start in a time that I can't remember, which is when I was born. (laughs) So age zero. Age in the womb. Oh, <laughs> even before you were born. In the womb. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Literally in the womb. Okay. Okay. Let's just get going. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So I, I have notes because I was like, I don't want to jump around too much. Okay. I have to do this in chronological order. All right. So when my parents were pregnant with me, they lived in Guilford, New Hampshire, which is by, if you know the geography of New England at all, Guilford, New Hampshire is one of the towns that borders on Lake Winnipesaukee, which is like a giant lake. And my family's had some crazy experiences there too. But they they lived in this smaller house. It was the first home that they purchased. And they were pregnant with me in this home. I think it was like a two-bedroom or something. And so when I was born, basically, like, as soon as I started to exit the phase of just being, like, a little blob of a baby and started having a little bit more, like, interaction with the things around me, I was interacting with someone else. Like, there there was always someone over my parents' shoulder or someone in the corner of the room or someone that I was, like, looking at and smiling Mm. at and laughing at and, like, cooing at. So whoever this was, they were a a good spirit, we can presume, because I was really enjoying their presence. And my parents think that it could be... I was going to say, don't you just wish you could remember all of that and Oh my God, I do. I do wish that. Yeah. And so I think my parents thought that it was the spirit that lived in their house because Mm. there was an older man who they would hear, well, actually, let me back up. We've never actually had confirmation that it was truly an older man. I don't think they ever saw this person, but they just got the energy right. and like the feeling of it being this older man in their home. And this man in 
our home in Guilford would flicker the lights. He would turn it on and off. He would flush the toilet in the middle of the night. <laughs> he would whistle and just wander around. So they would just like hear him whistling through the halls. And then he would also sometimes open the front door and leave or like come back in. And so my parents would... Would he leave the door open? I, I guess like... Yeah. My mom said that she would have to like go and close the door when Sir. he <laughs> I don't think it happened a ton, but like enough where, right. you know, especially if you're like home alone with a newborn baby. Yeah. That's kind of concerning. Definitely. So we kind of thought that it might be this spirit that I was interacting with and it could be, but there's no confirmation of that. And then another thing that I would kind of like to think is that it, my dad's dad passed away when he was in middle school. Mm. And my cousins, some of my cousins are a lot younger than me. And one of them did Oh, basically confirm unknowingly that his spirit was going and seeing her. So when she was really little, she would talk That's about so sweet. this guy that would see her. And then looking through old photos, she pointed at my grandpa, Robert, and was basically like, oh, that's the man that visits me at night. So it would make and sense. So that part of me is like, it could be also him. It could have been. Especially if he visited a younger cousin, it's likely that he visited all of you when you were babies. Yeah, right. And then this cousin and I were probably like 16, 18 years apart right. in age. So that's sweet. It makes me think that maybe he visited all of the cousins when we were really little and just yeah. some people kept seeing him and some people didn't. How long did you see the spirit? Like how long did your parents recognize you were interacting with something, uh, something that's not physically here? I don't think too long because I was born in that house, but I'm, well, I say not that long, but probably like two, two and a half years. Okay. It's long enough, <laughs> but not long in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Because then we moved to Littleton, New Hampshire. And so my parents built a house in Littleton, New Hampshire. We moved from Guilford to Littleton. My mom didn't really know anybody in that town. And I think it was like a hard period of time for her because she was just at home with me and my brother was born in Littleton. So Christian was a newborn. So she had a lot going on, mm -hmm. but someone did move with us. And that was the guy from the little old man. He moved with from you. From the Guilford house. <gasps> I love he that. Did. He just loved He came you. to Littleton. He loved your family. And the only reason my parents know that he moved was because of the same MOs, like the flickering lights, the flushing, flushing the of the toilet, That's the <laughs> whistling, the opening of the front door. The flushing the toilet is maybe my favorite thing because it, it implies right. that ghosts still go to the bathroom. Yeah. And in the middle of the night, you know, you wake up at 2 a.m. Yeah. You just have to pee. Do it all the time. go back to bed. Yeah. I do have memories, though, of the ghost flushing the toilet. Like not me seeing him, but I have memories of in the middle of the night hearing the toilet flush yeah. and being scared and knowing that it's not my family because my dad at the time was working a lot. And so I spent a lot of time sleeping in my parents' bed with just me and my mom. And so the toilet would flush and I'd be like in the room with the only adult that was in the house. Oh. And then there's an infant and we're just like, uh, and I'm, I'm like four, so she can't. She can't be like, oh, no, the ghost. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So this is the house where I, my, my first memories are. So, like, I actually remember the hauntings here, unlike what was happening in Guilford. And we were only in Littleton for two years before, again, we moved for my dad's work. But in Littleton, I heard the toilets flush. I remember one time sleeping in my mom's bed and seeing like a cartoon version of a ghost. Like if you drew like the, you know, like the the arched head and then the squiggly bottoms and the two big like eyes in the middle, like it literally lo looked like a piece of construction paper that someone cut out. 
I saw a ghost like appear like that and go move across my parents' hall or or not hall, but like the wall of their bedroom and slip into their bathroom that was attached to their bedroom. It was 2D? It looked like that. It was so weird. And so I don't know what was there that wanted to be seen, but maybe not to like spook me. Maybe it was like, oh, such a young kid. Like I'll make myself appear like a cutout of a kindergarten aged ghost i don't know or i don't know I, I don't know it was really strange it's also one of those things where like do ghosts have the control over being visible or not because if you're four or if you're young mm-hmm. you just are way more in tune and you don't have that like societal you know ghosts aren't real or you're seeing things in your head so you are way more open to mm-hmm. the other side that just you could see it that you could see the spirits right Although I will, I also think it's almost scarier for whatever it was to appear that way because it stuck with me so much yeah. more than if I had just seen a person. Yeah, that's interesting. Because it was just so different. Yeah. And so in that house, like there were those like smaller odd things that happened. But then I had an experience with shadow people that was recurring and this was terrifying. And this I know I've said on the yeah. podcast before and Sabrina, you've heard it. But There was – I call them, like, the family of shadow people because it really did look like a family. Like, I remember a dog, like, a shadow of, like, a dog there. Like, it looks like when people have the stickers on the back of their car that's, like, mom and dad and, like, little Johnny and little Susie and little Annie and little Marie and then our dog Fufu. Like, that is is basically how it felt. But – there were so I called them the shadow family because they were of varying heights and like mm. varying shapes. But how many the most were part, there? They were all, oh, uh, four or five. Whoa! And then they lived in our mudroom. So Ugh. the way that the the house was set up, we were at the end of a cul-de-sac, and then there were just like acres and acres and acres of land behind the house. So we really only had the neighbors on either side of us. And then there was no one for like a couple of at least a few miles. So it was really quiet there, which made it sometimes creepy. (laughs) Well, you guys also built this house, which I think is evident to the fact that, well, land can be haunted. So you could have built on haunted land, but Mm -hmm. that it might not necessarily be the land or the house. It could be the people living in the home. And your family has had so many encounters and experiences that I just believe yeah. the ghosts mm-hmm. flock to you. You're a ghost magnet. I concur. <laughs> I think that that's been proved. It definitely has. Yeah. But yeah, so this family of or the, these shadow people, I didn't have a name for shadow people for a really long time. I actually learned what shadow people were when I was like probably like 14, 13, 14, watching an after school special and watched like the one of those ghost hunter shows. And then they said shadow people and described them. And I remember getting up and running to my mom in the kitchen and being like, mom, come to the because it was before you could rewind or replay Mm. television. So I like rushed her into the room to hear it. And she was like, oh, my God, because she'd heard me describe it so many times. But basically in our little tin house, I would see this collection of shadow people that would only hang out in the mudroom wall in the walls in that hallway i hate that and the way that our house was set up was it was two stories and when you come in through the garage there's a mudroom and then there's a bathroom attached to the mudroom so when you come in through the garage you would you know take off your jacket take off your shoes you could use the bathroom right there and then you get off the tile flooring onto the hardwood and that's when you're in the kitchen the dining room and then it's it's like an open concept into the playroom so the playroom had these 
French doors that would close, but it was all glass doors. So sometimes I would be in there with the doors closed if I was playing and my mom was like vacuuming or, or doing something, but I could still, I would have a clear view down into the mudroom. Uh. I could see the door to the garage. See, this is the perfect time where you want visual graphic that comes up of like drawing the rooms in the house when you're saying and describing right? it. Yes. Yeah. I need to make it in The Sims and just somehow <laughs> insert it into the That's a, that's <laughs> into a the fun video. idea. But right? We make our old childhood homes. Oh, we should do that sometime and just make the layouts of our old homes and describe where all the hauntings were. Clear my schedule. This is where this happened. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, we're done. We're not podcasting for the next seven months. We need to make our Sims homes. <laughs> But these shadow people would appear only when my mom was not on the first floor. So if my mom was ever upstairs doing laundry or had to run upstairs to do something, I would be playing like with my Barbies in the room. And then I would just stop and I would heat like I wouldn't hear anything, but I could sense it. That's so malicious. And then I would look over and I would see them and they would like appear and be like dancing around the wall. I say dancing, but basically like they're lurking and like darting across the walls. And it was terrifying. And I remember so many times, like countless times of me just like being so frozen with fear or sometimes I would crawl up onto the couch and try to sink myself into it where they couldn't see me and then I would just like not move at all I wouldn't flinch my body the only thing I would do was scream mom mom until she would come down so I was screaming but I was not moving an inch because I didn't want them to see where I was hiding oh it breaks my heart so much because like just I'm picturing young little you and now I want a picture of you up on the screen at that age so that everyone can see how cute and little you were oh well and that's a good call. Let's insert like what we looked like at each That's age. That's a great so you can idea. See what what hauntings <laughs> happen to little innocent us. Feel bad for us. Feel bad for us. But <laughs> it's so sad and and so malicious the fact that it waited until your mom was upstairs or they. I guess that there's a group of them, mm-hmm. meaning that they knew they were scaring you and they meant to scare you. Yeah, they meant to. They meant to, and then they would disappear as soon as my mom came down. And I can only imagine how my mom felt, you know, like she was home alone with these two young kids in an area that she didn't know anyone. And I was constantly seeing people on the walls and the bathroom was also there. That was the only bathroom in our first floor. And she would have to bring me to the bathroom every single time I had to go because I was too scared to go by myself. And I have a memory of one time where my mom was just like, she was washing dishes, you know, had the plastic gloves on. And she was like, I can't take you to the bathroom right now. Like I'm in the middle of something. You need to go by yourself. And mind you, the bathroom is 12 steps away from where she was. So it wasn't Mm. like she was sending me off into the abyss. But I was so scared of going into that area by myself that I stood there and I peed. I just like remember looking up at my mom and saying, okay. And then just peeing right there because I was like, I I can't go by myself, but I have to go. Yes. Oh, And this is also the house where... I said my creepy comments mm. to my mom where I was, I was like waiting in for these. the past life trance. Yes. So this is when I was three. So from age three to like five and a half is when we lived in Littleton. So at age three, I had two different experiences where my mom believes maybe a past life or like my soul was kind of bleeding through into this life. And the first one was, and I might mix mix up these orders and some of the details. My mom can tell it better. But basically, there was a time where it was just me and my mom home alone and and, and my brother. And she was trying to get me ready for bed. And to get a three-year-old to like brush their teeth and get ready for bed isn't always easy. easy. Yeah. You know, some nights they don't want to go to bed. And so I was getting really frustrated. And she said my voice kind of changed. And it didn't, it's not necessarily that it like got down to like the level of, an adult mature voice. It's just that the clarity 
of my voice went from being like a little kid to a well-articulated, enunciating Mm. voice. And I turned to her and I said, how come you're the mom now? And she was like, uh, what do you mean? Because you were the mom before? And I didn't answer. And she said, I just kind of like went back to like being my little kid self. Uh. And then the second time that happened, the same sort of thing, like where I'm I'm getting frustrated. And then suddenly I kind of like go into this stern talking voice and I turn to my mom and I say, I want to go back. And she said, oh, go back where? Do you want to go back to Guilford? Because we had just moved Mm. from Guilford to Littleton, New Hampshire. And I said, no. And then she said, well, where do you want to go back to? I said, I want to go back to heaven. And we had never talked about heaven and hell. I mean, my family, my my parents were both raised Catholic, but I was a baby. So aside yeah. from being like baptized, there was no regular church going. Like I hadn't been in CCD yet. Like there was none yeah, of that. Know. My childhood books weren't religious at all. Like literally had, she was, my mom was like, I really don't know like <laughs> where you learned that. But so she oh. was very creeped out about that. At least it's going back to heaven and not like a creepy thing like I want to go back to hell. Yeah. I know. It is yeah. It's kind of it's interesting though because like those two those two occurrences basically mean that my mom and I were like traveling souls of sorts where mm-hmm. we have lived multiple lives being different people to each other and that I was somewhere else yeah. before coming back down. And maybe Absolutely. I didn't go as willingly. It is interesting. Like, what if you are a traveling soul pair? So you have to go Or you're back. in some group and you're, yeah, but you don't want to. <laughs> like, there's a lot of examples where people get told by mediums, like you with your tarot card, where the psychic was saying that your grandmother has your future daughter. On her lap. On her lap. Mm-hmm. Like, there's so many stories where people hear that this their children, like, chose them and were waiting mm-hmm. for them and were so willing. But- also, on the flip side, I think maybe sometimes we didn't want to come. <laughs> we were forced to. Well, it's interesting. I I think I was forced to. <laughs> or you just were annoyed in that moment and you're like, well, I want to go back to where there were no rules and I can do my own thing. Right. But uh, it makes me yeah. think of – I remember on Campfire Stories, there was – it might have been our kids episode – where a mom and her son came on and her son was saying, I used to be in space. And that if before he was born, he was yes. in space and he could see his mom and dad. And then he was talking about being in space. And like that was just – which maybe uh, my incredible interpretation of that is maybe it wasn't space itself, but like it looks like space in like the mm. waiting room of, of life. Right. Yeah. Well, this is like the movie Soul, right? Where they're, yeah. they can kind of like see down from the stars in their own little world and kind of zoop forward into yeah. Earth. Snapshot down. It is interesting. I don't really know. I mean, I, I'm, I don't want to – we would be here for 10 hours if I told truly everything that I remember. <laughs> but it does make me wonder about like past lives and everything because I do have some memories that I learned later on yeah. through discussions with my family that aren't memories from this life. But we want to do a past and life. And I didn't have like an organ transplant or anything. <laughs> right. I feel like we, that's <laughs> not someone else's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, we want to do a past life regression and I feel like we can start it or end it with our previous understanding of past lives. I don't have any, but you, you yes. do. So maybe after the past Just life regression, you can Yeah, that's a good share. idea. Yeah. Great idea. Okay, let's fast forward. We've been through two houses. Now we're in Vermont. Okay. 
I moved to Vermont in the middle of my kindergarten year. It was horrifying joining a kindergarten class when everyone else had known each other for months. Oh. That was scary. Oh, because it was like a middle, to middle of the year move? Yeah, oh. I joined in January. Because my parents built this house right. too. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day when land was still available and it <laughs> didn't break the bank to build a house or even buy a house for that yeah, matter. True. Very different life our parents yeah. lived, you know. Okay, so they built the house and it was basically ready for us to move in. And my dad's job was ready for the, the transfer for us to move there sometime like December, January. So that's when I joined kindergarten. Um, but that is also when the ghost moved in. <laughs> that's when we moved in. We know the family who owned the land. We know the contractor who built the house. Like there for generate we can trace back this land for multiple generations. There is nothing that happened on this land yeah, that we know. I was gonna ask. So it's just us. Did the contractors experience anything while building it, or was it truly just you moved in and so did the ghosts and everything started after you lived there. I think we moved in and so did the ghosts. Yeah. Because in our neighborhood, there's probably now there's probably 30 some houses. There were only five houses for like a good 10 years on the street. But out of the 30 some houses, at least that me or my parents have been told, I think there's there's only been a couple houses that have had paranormal activity. So mm. it might be the people. It might be like some sort of perfect storm where the house is built the land is conducive to holding the spirits and then the right people move in i don't know you i thought you bring the portal yeah they'll bring the fun (laughs) the hauntings yeah all the ghosts the hauntings yes okay so there are many spirits in this house i'll just list a few and i say many spirits in this house in current tense because there are some spirits who come and go but my family has experienced the same spirits that are like sort of our regulars where maybe we won't see them for a couple of years, but then we'll see them a bunch. It's like a yeah, diner. Yeah, our regulars, our resident ghosts. It's the cheers bar. Yes. And they each literally accept, they each have their own room, which is really interesting. They like don't cross paths. Everybody has their dedicated space. So you won't encounter two, two of the spirits in the same room. It's very much like ghosts, the show. It is. They each have their own chambers. Yeah, the chambers. The chambers are different. Okay, so one of the spirits that we see a lot is this tall man in the hallway, and he hangs out from the layout of my parents' current house is when you come through the garage into the mudroom, if you turn left out of the mudroom, you're facing the old, like, traditional colonial dining room, and he hangs out there. So the mudroom hallway into the dining room, and he's really tall, and he's dressed kind of like almost in a suit. It's not really dressed up as in, like, he's going to a wedding, but it was more of like a I don't know, like he was heading to work in the streets of Boston oh. in 1930 or something. Like it's it's a suit, but it's not – it's like more of a casual suit. And he's he's super tall. Like this guy is probably like 6'6", six, six, I bet, 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Hmm. He's a very tall guy, super skinny. So I've seen him multiple times, usually just like a wisp of him kind of going from one room to the other. My mom has seen him a lot, like looking out the window – or like sitting down over there. And my favorite experience that I've had with him was when we spooked each other. My family had been gone on vacation (gasps) for multiple days, and I was the first one in the house, and we were unloading the car. And so normally when you unload the car, you like just bring stuff in, drop it, and go back out. But instead, I decided like we have a lot of stuff. I should probably utilize the room to the left instead of dropping everything in the hallway. I'm going to make some extra space for everyone behind me. How old were you? So I whipped around – 
14, 15. I was say that 16. was a very smart I was, idea. Of I was you. older. Okay. Yeah. No, I was I was older. Okay. But I whipped around into the dining room and he was standing there, like, but kind of against the wall, like as if we caught him off guard by coming in right then. So he was kind of like standing there, almost hiding behind the wall. And I whipped around and we see each other and he goes, Whoa! I go, Whoa! And then he disappeared. Ah, it's, oh my gosh. It's kind of, isn't that awesome? It's kind of like when you were, or for me, when I was growing up and my mom had asked me to do a chore before she got home from work. Like when I got home from school, I'd be alone, whatever. And she'd be like, Hey, empty the dishwasher Mm -hmm. before I come home. And I'd hear her car pulling into the driveway and I'd have to like run and do the dishwasher because like, you know, I was doing something else. Yes. He he got caught. Yeah, exactly. He got caught. He got caught. Yeah. And then another thing that happened to quite a few of us in the house, so basically like my family, and then when we would have people come over, when my brother and I would have like friends sleep over or when we'd have relatives come over, one of the communal experiences that everybody sort of, not everybody, but a lot of people heard was after everybody's upstairs and goes to bed, our spare bedroom's upstairs, all of the bedrooms are upstairs, downstairs is the kitchen. Lights are out. We also have an alarm system. So if anyone did even get like a few steps down the stairway mm-hmm. into the first floor, the alarm would go. So no one is in the, the first floor. We would hear often, and I still hear it sometimes today, we would hear silverware and plates, like someone's cleaning up dinner or fixing themselves a oh. late night dinner. It was like the drawers are opening, the silverware is going, the plates are are hitting but there's no evidence of it in the morning. And my brother and I even would write notes, sort of like how you write a note to like the to Santa or the Tooth Fairy. Mm-hmm. We would write notes to our ghosts <laughs> occasionally and leave it on the kitchen island because we'd be like, what are you doing? What are you eating? Like, what what is your name? Did you ever get, and then we'd leave get like a response? Some sort of writing apparatus. Never. No. Nope. I wish you had no. photos. I guess holding a pen those. or pencil was harder. Right? I know. I wish my parents kept that. <laughs> our ghost hunting journal. (laughs) It's also interesting because you're hearing the movement of utensils and plateware, but did you ever go down and see any of those moved or was it just like the sounds of it? Mm -mm. It was just the sounds. It was just the sounds. Interesting. Yeah. And I remember too, a few times being spooked by it. It was one of those things where I finally got used to it, but I remember being spooked by it a couple of times, getting my mom, my mom saying like, no one's downstairs. It's fine. The noise stops. And then later on in the night, it picks up again and I'm hearing it. I wonder there was what a lot eating. of that. And then what are, what are they munching on? Uh, that's my question. Like invite us at Mac least. You're in our home probably eating our food. It's like Beetlejuice. Let's all a feast, feast together. Right. The Adams family. Yeah. And it's not it's not like the scary version where someone's actually living in your mm-hmm. walls because we had the alarm system. So we would know if there was actually someone physically down there. And then another thing that happened specifically to me a lot was that there was a man and a woman who would be outside of my bedroom door Mm -hmm. and would talk and like whisper to each other, but also say my name and try to get my attention. Mm. And I never saw them, but they would be outside of my door in a hushed voice being talking to each other, Uh. talking to me, scheming about if I'm awake, how to get my attention. Like the conversation was me and they would bicker with one another. Was it male and female? No, she's not. Is she going to hear us? It was male and female. Corinne, Corinne, she's not going to hear you. Speak up. No, I can't speak up. Everybody's asleep. Do you think she's awake? I think she's awake. No, I don't, I don't think she's awake. That that was the conversation. I imagine it's your spirit guide. And I would guides. tell my, maybe. But why didn't they come inside? It was so scary because like if, thank God they didn't. But what if they're good? <laughs> what do they want to tell you? I need to know. 
Yeah. Do you still hear that? I mean, I told my parents. Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-mm. Nope. I don't hear that ever anymore. Hmm. It did stop, I think, probably when I got to middle school. It was definitely more of like a, when I was younger, I would hear it. And I did tell my parents and my dad at this time. Now my dad is like joining campfire stories, telling horrifying tales of all of his hauntings. Mm-hmm. Like my parents had both experienced a ton of hauntings prior to me and my brother existing and prior to them being together. We'll have a family episode But growing later. up, my dad – yeah. <laughs> My dad was very much of the belief of like, tell them ghosts aren't real so that your kids aren't scared. And so you can like live your life peacefully. And then my mom was in the camp of, we have stubborn children. They're never going to take that as an answer. Right. They just aren't going to tell you their experiences anymore and be scared alone right. now. Like they're experiencing it, whether you want them to or not, or w- whether you want them to believe it or not. So I'll at least like hear it and talk to them about it. So I, I kind of learned for like a few years to only talk to my mom. Mm about the ghost stuff and not my dad. I like how and you so pause. I'm not sure if my dad knew about this. You kind of paused after only talked to my mom. And then you said it about the ghost stuff. And I was like, just picturing you only talking oh. to your mom for a few years. <laughs> I I am really stubborn and I do have a lot of pride. So there was actually a time where I like did not talk to my dad for five days because- The cheesecake incident? He, no, oh, but- <laughs> The cheesecake incident. No, it was – he was asking me if I got my homework done. Every night he would be like, did you get your homework done yet? Did you get your homework? And I always did. And it annoyed the shit out of me. And I'm like, come up with another question to ask me, guy. <gasps> guy. And I said to him one time, I was like – you know, I was like angsty middle school. Like We've all been there. Early high school age. And I was like, if you ask me one more time if I've done my homework, I am not going to talk to you. And he asked me. And then – You bored him. I'm just a bitch and I – you're not. I didn't talk to him for a few days. You did warn him. He probably doesn't remember that, but I do because I was like, wow, that was really aggressive. <laughs> like, it's not just I didn't talk to him for like dinner. I was like mute for five <laughs> days. Like, what? Boycott. so mean. Ugh. Sometimes when I, when people say like, oh, Kern, you're, you're so nice. I have a few people that are like, you're one of my nicest friends. I'm like, I don't think I am. In here, I'm not that nice. <laughs> <laughs> Holding that. On the back. inside, I mean. <laughs> I think I am. But basically, to circle back, those voices that were talking outside of my bedroom, I only told my mom about it, and it happened so consistently. My brother's bedroom was next to mine. He never heard them. But one time, I had a friend in elementary school who slept over. Her name was Lauren. And the next morning, she said, I couldn't sleep because there were two people outside of your bedroom door who kept calling your name and talking. So even when other and so people I got, were around. I finally got confirmation. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. I just – And so that was my confirmation want? that other people could hear them. Did I you ever try to respond to them know. or did you just shut your eyes and like try to go to back to sleep? No. Pretend it's not happening. Pretend it's not happening. That's kind of what I was doing. Right. Okay. Okay. Fair. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, let's see what's next on my notes. <laughs> you have so There's many. so many as as we're talking too. I have so many notes, but like as we're talking, I'm like, oh, and then that led to this and this led to you that. Should but I'm like, don't say all of it because down. we'd be here forever. I know. Write those down so you don't I forget should. them. It's so funny because I feel like yeah. you I definitely have a lot of experiences, but I don't have nearly as many as you do. So when you told me like you're like, mine's gonna be like an hour and a half, I was like, mine's gonna be like 35 minutes. No, I think it'll be longer. And I'm gonna ask my mom and dad for some of their experiences too. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Well, so I have just a couple. I know I know that my experiences myself will take up a, a bunch of time, but I did write down like a few things that did ex- did happen specifically to my brother and to my mom. And my dad has some too that I of think course. he told on campfire yeah. stories. 
Yes. But I'm still learning things about my dad because he'll keep his stories and then he'll tell me them. And I'm like, you had 30 years to tell me the story and this is the first time I'm hearing it. I don't understand. Well, it sounds but like he anyway, was under the impression of like, let's not talk about it. So he definitely he just was. Held on to them. He definitely was until I was in until I was in high school, and then he started talking about it more. Right. But so all of us in my family, we all had individual experiences, and so I think we all thought for a while that we were experiencing separate spirits, and sometimes we were. So Christian, my brother, he had a few things happen to him. One was he was dressed up in his Buzz Lightyear costume. And so cute. He was like four and he was in his Buzz Lightyear costume and he ran into his bedroom and went into his closet to like grab one of his toys. And when he ran into the closet, there was a girl floating there in a white dress a few feet off of the ground. And he described her hands kind of being together and like doing this sort of motion where each pad of the fingers are like slowly touching like no. Not a clap, like, but like a slow, like, hmm, like evil. a evil, like, that hmm, seems evil. I'm scheming. Yes. Yeah. And he said that she was making some sort of like humming noise. <gasps> and so when we talk about it, we kind of do like the humana humana because that's sort of what it was. And he came out screaming in his Buzz Lightyear of costume. Of course. Me and my mom were literally in the hallway and like in the bathroom right next to his bedroom. So that was one of his first experiences that really spooked him. He also, when he was in middle school, he would do like the Guitar Hero and all of the different like gamer games downstairs in our basement. And one time he turned off the TV and he's in his gamer chair, which is set like four feet in front of the couch that was behind the gamer chair for everyone else to sit when they were in the basement. Mm. And he turns off the TV and in the like fuzzy screen that turns black, he sees someone sitting, a man sitting on the couch behind him. <laughs> And then he just bolts upstairs, doesn't look, just runs. Oh, that is so and then, creepy. Yeah. I also had an experience in the in the basement where Christian and I were playing hide and seek. And I was like, he's too chicken to go into the basement, which now I'm that way. He has to bring me into the basement <laughs> when we're both home. But I hid in, downstairs at like the bottom of the stairwell when we were playing hide and seek. And I didn't turn on the lights because I was like, this you don't want to give it away. Come yeah. down here. And then he went to the top of the stairs. The door was closed. And I heard him ask my mom, like, mom, can do you think Corinne's down there? Can you bring me down to look? And so I'm like, oh, shit, they're going to come down. So I turn to run into another room. And there is a little boy who looks blue. Like he's <gasps> his skin is blue. It's like whitish blue. There's a little boy. He's probably like four years old. And he's crouched underneath our foosball. He's playing with you guys. Table. And then he just starts crawling and like runs like basically like a couple steps in his crouch position and then like takes off and then away from you i don't see anything so i didn't or towards you yes so okay thank gosh no 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 no. thank god it was away from me yeah so so i didn't see it wasn't like i saw 20 feet of this little boy crawling i literally saw like a couple crawls and then he was out of sight behind the foosball table and then i sprinted upstairs got my mom obviously the game of hide and seek was over because that does seem like he was playing with you and were you playing hide and seek tag where if they find you, you have to run away or they have to tag you for you to be out? No. Okay. Well, no, but this also kid I was. wasn't the seeker. So maybe he was just, maybe he was also just like, we need to find new hiding spots. Yeah. I, I, it's and scary, but it does seem innocent. And like this kid just wanted to play with you. Yes. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And actually it might make sense. It That might make sense for like, there was another experience that I had where, when I was watching TV when I was in middle school, so I was probably like 12 or 13, I was laying down in our living room on the couch watching TV, 
and one of my shoes, like I had like a strappy sandal, was picked up and floated like three feet above the carpet right in front of my face because I'd taken off my shoes right there. So like right I'm laying your down face. and all of a sudden my shoe gets pulled up no. and I screamed and like hopped over the back of the couch and went and got my mom. But now that I think of it, it might have been that little boy, you know, just like a curious like, what is what is this? Is this mine now? Interesting. Right. Huh. Yeah. But to, fin- to finish my brother's, and I'm sure he's had so many more experiences that I don't even know about, he had probably the most haunted room in our house mm. because every so often there would be like three or four figures, I can't remember the exact number, of – if you picture like what the Grim, Grim Reaper looks like or even like kind of like Voldemort but like with a black hooded cape, there were multiple of those like matching creatures that would appear in his room and just kind of like do this weird like humming chanting oh my thing gosh. and walk in a circle for hours and he would be absolutely terrified and then it would happen for multiple nights in a row and we would basically i always say like we had to smoke them out because i would literally grab all of my incense sticks i would like burn the dragon's blood burn the white copal like we would do everything that we had this- in the house and we would smoke them out for a few months and they wouldn't come back. It is so wild how many different spirits were in your home. Like it's yeah. one thing for spirits to be whispering outside your door continuously, but then there's a little boy, then there's a tall man, then there's these weird creatures, creepy people yes. chanting things. There's a woman in the closet and there's more Sp- shadow people. There's oh, shadow more. people. I mean, my that. mom by far, probably the shadow people. That was the house before, right? I had in, in the Vermont. Yeah, but also in the Vermont house, I did have a shadow person one time and they got into the shower with <gasps> me and they were very small. So they were they were probably like three and a half feet tall and they were in the shower. And I can't remember if I said it out loud or in my head, but I basically like claimed my space and like banished them and then they immediately left. So it was like, oh, probably like a 60 second experience of me freaking out, then figuring out what to do, then banishing them and then that's them horrifying. But it was in the shower with me. Like yeah. it just showed and up And also in there? when I would shower, yeah. It just appeared suddenly. Oh, my God. And then in the bathroom, too, I would always bring in my boom box. And there were a few times where, like, a spirit would tamper with my boom box. And they would, like, turn the volume up or change the channel. And then I'd be like, turn it down or, like, put it back. And then they would. Whoa. So. At least they would listen to you. There were, there were really scary moments. But then there were also moments where we're like, okay, we just live amongst ghosts and we have to Deal with respond it. accordingly. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. were so used to And my to mom it. definitely had one of mm-hmm, – she had a nicer spirit. I'm the only person that's ever heard the spirit that she has had contact with where – well, I say contact, but it's very one-sided. My mom will be – well, there's this man who sounds – his voice sounds like he's in his 30s and he'll say, hello or good morning mm. or – I think one time he said like, hi, baby. <laughs> he He's very loving oh, towards my hitting mom. Hitting on your mom. And sometimes sh- she'll get a tap on the shoulder oh. in the morning. Like it'll be like tap, tap, hello. And so he usually only talks to my mom, but I heard him one time, one time. It was maybe four years ago, and I was in my childhood bedroom when I was visiting home. And in the morning, I was already awake, but I still had my eyes closed, and I think I was, like, turned away from the door. And then I heard, hello. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, I finally get to hear who my mom has been hearing for 20 years. My question is, is the spirit, like, a lover from a past life of your mom's? I don't know. A traveling soul of sorts. Oh, that's interesting. Or even, like, I'm thinking, you know, what if it – what if it's like an ex-boyfriend or something that oh. she doesn't know anymore that like maybe passed away younger and it never got over your mom? Yeah. Deb, little heartbreaker. No. My mom does have a boyfriend actually. What? She and her boyfriend when she was 14, they never broke up. They just moved away. <laughs> 
So then I have a lot of those because I'm pretty sure like my middle school relationships were all like <laughs> we just stopped talking and it was like, oh, okay. Technically, I'm still dating. Yeah, there's no official. I'm still we're done. dating Guido. We never talked once the entire time we were dating. You've got a wow. Like he didn't. You need to send him a breakup message. <laughs> You're like, I just need to close the circle. He even in my life. This is so funny. The way he asked me out. This is like sixth grade, so it's like super innocent. I had never talked to him. He sent a friend over to me when I was at my locker, and he the friend goes, hey, are you Italian? And I said, yes. This is the most Guido thing in the world because literally a Guido Italian. And I said, yes. And he goes, cool. And then he like goes over to Guido real quick. He tells Guido, she's Italian. And Guido goes, okay. Got friend comes back over and goes, do you want to date Guido? And I said, sure. And then we were dating. And then the next day, my friend – No way. My friend Catherine – are you Italian? Then you should date. <laughs> it must be like his parents were very much like, you have to have an Italian woman, you know? So he had that in his head. But the next day, my friend yeah. Catherine made me this little like homemade. She clearly went home, cut out his uh, school picture from the yearbook, pasted it on a piece of paper, put a heart around it, and then wrote me a letter about how she dated him last year. And she's like, he's so nice. Oh, my god! I never talked to Guido. We didn't talk once. That so sweet i know but we never talked wait but also what a nice friend you have where she had already dated him and was like you're going to have such a great relationship because you don't talk treated so well i'm so excited for you to get to experience this because you don't talk and you'll never break up man oh (laughs) you never will does nick know this so sorry Did you get married three times for for each boyfriend that you never broke up with? So it's like one marriage is for Nick and the other two is to assure him that the two boyfriends that you never broke up with are. Don't Don't worry about it. (laughs) Yes. Don't worry about it. Your mom's ghost. Yeah. Okay. So a few other things that happened to my mom often were that my her grandmother, so my great grandmother Mm -hmm. would come visit her and we she wouldn't see her, but it was like always during a period of time where my mom was having a hard time either just like being a parent or I don't know, just in life, she was having a hard time and feeling a little bit low and alone. And she would be in our spare bedroom folding laundry or in the kitchen or like somewhere in the house. And she would, wherever she was or the space that she would enter would fill with the scent of my great grandmother's perfume, like her powder. Mm. And so my mom would experience that. So by far, my mom's had the nicest experiences. My brother is getting these like demons circling his room chanting I'm having people like talk about me and gossip outside of my door. And then my mom gets called baby, told good morning, and has her grandmother visit her. Like she's by far winning the paranormal experiences here. Yes. But she's also dealing with two children who are having terrifying experiences. So I would say that that is terrifying in its own right. She's basically experiencing it all because of you. That's true. And she would still to this day with me and my brother not living in the house, she will hear us call her name. <gasps> she heard that all through oh, growing up where she would my gosh. she would hear like mom and then she'd go and we would be completely asleep or we'd be away at sleepovers. No. Nope. She just she still hears it. Mom. Which okay, could be so. residual. If you guys were so mm-hmm. scared of an experience, calling for your mom might have stained. Yeah. That's the only positive That's way true. to think. We of could it. just be haunting your own home haunting our mom our little like token token of trauma from those paranormal experiences and calling out for our mom has now stained and is we are haunting our own mom yeah that's possible i prefer that 
Yes. Other people who've slept over at our house have experienced things or just like come over to hang out with us. So like I said, I had a friend in elementary school who heard the people chatting. I had a friend in high school who slept over who heard a woman screaming downstairs in the middle of the night. That's horrifying. I feel bad for that friend. That makes me think of the closet woman. Oh, ooh, ooh, yeah, maybe. Oh, gosh. I did actually experience one time I saw a woman with like kind of dark hair that maybe could have looked like her Mm. kind of like slowly creep around and like look around the banister of our stairs into the the kitchen and like stare at me. And my best friend Meg in high school, I remember she was, we were talking and I, she was facing away from it and I was seeing it. And then she said, are you seeing something (laughs) behind me? Are you seeing a ghost right now? And I was like, yeah. She was like, oh God. (laughs) That let's move on that reminds me of this the story that you told on morbid that i had never heard before the man mm, creeping towards you oh of that man yes i had never heard that well i'll tell it right now okay great so you can go listen to our crossover with morbid our crossover with morbid i probably tell it better than i will right now but essentially when i was i can't remember how old i was it was like 15 ish Mm -hmm. or so um, I was in bed at night and I'd gone to sleep and I sleep with the door open. So my childhood door isn't fully open, but like I would probably have five or six inches so I could have that crack. And through that crack, I could perfectly see the stairwell, like the top of the stairwell and part of the, um, like five steps basically. And then part of the hallway that led to my room. So basically, Mm. if you're in your in my house, and you walk up the stairs, you get to the first landing, and then the stairs curve. And then you take an additional four or five steps up to the top of the second floor. Okay, so it's kind of like an L shaped stairwell. And so I wake up because I can kind of sense something and I feel like I almost hear something. And I'm just aware that there's something going on outside of my door. And I can see on the handrail, a hand And it's like slowly making its way up and like sliding against Mm. the railing. And the hand is a little bit like older and wrinkled. And the amount of time it takes for this person to come into view feels like eternity. Like this person is moving at a glacial pace. It doesn't want – It's so slow. Because it's trying to be quiet. Like I feel like the whole experience – had to have taken 30 minutes. Like it truly, it, it was a really long time for for this thing to go eventually like 15 feet. Yeah. So I'm watching and I'm still laying down and I'm just like watching through this crack in my door, which I can still see like perfectly the stairs and the railing. And then into view, I see like the back of this person and they make it up the stairs and then they turn around. And this person is in a t-shirt and kind of like cargo pants-ish situation um, they have a very like wrinkled and scarred face. Okay. And then they have kind of like a almost like gray or like white blonde buzz cut. Like they, they looked older. If I had to guess their age, probably like, I don't know. I feel like I, now I feel like the pressure to identify the correct age. But it's okay. Someone who'd lived, lived a life. Okay. But, but we're not as quite a senior citizen. Okay. Yet. Um, but so they were older, like they wore the marks of their body and had a lot of wrinkles. And it it was this guy and he had this glaring look on his face. Like he looked like he wanted to kill me and his eyes were searing into me. And he's just making his way around the banister now. He's turning. So now he's fully off the stairs and on the second floor and he's making his way down the hallway. If he had gone right, he would have gone to my parents' room. If he had gone left, which he did go left, he was coming towards me and my brother's room, Ooh. which were next to each other. And so his hand is still on the on the railing and it's like, 
like really I gently hate. sliding against the wood grain and he's not breaking eye contact. It takes him forever to get through like halfway down the hallway and then he disappears out of view. So now I can't see him because there's a blind spot, which is the end of that banister. And when it curves into my bedroom, finally, <sighs> and you're just he gets laying to- there watching this entire thing, the fear in you building because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I probably had, I'm sure I had like five to six minutes without being able to see him, uh, but like you, I could still like sense him and basically yeah. hear like the shh against the banister. Yeah. Against the railing. It was so scary. And then eventually he makes it to my bedroom door and he's like standing right there in the opening and he's, Ooh, that scared me. What was it? Brian just <laughs> sprinted by. Whoa. Um, bad timing. Yeah. But he makes it to the the front of my bedroom door into that like crack and he's just like standing there fully facing like his shoulders angled perfectly facing me in my bed and at this point now i'm sitting up because i wanted to get a good look at him i wanted to like be able to see yeah try to see as far as i could before he got to the blind spot so i'm i'm seated but still in bed and then he just stands there and stares at me for what feels like forever and we're just basically having like a stare off me terrified not knowing what this guy's doing and him seeming like he wants to rip my face off and eat it like he is angry at me visibly full of hatred and this guy took forever to get to where he was he's the slowest moving spirit i've ever seen which is what made what he did next so terrifying which is he sprinted at me nope full force No indication that he was about to change position. He just went from standing and glaring for five, six minutes to a full-on like sprinting at me. When he gets close to me, I can't see him anymore, but I'm blown back in my bed. I'm sitting up and then my torso is just like whipped back. It feels like air hitting me basically, like a really fast wind. And I blow back and then I get up because he didn't pin me down or anything. He just like threw me back. And then I get up and I sprint to my parents' room. I I get my mom. (sighs) She comes back to my room to sleep with me. I am sleeping on the side of the bed that faces the, that is pushed into the wall so that I'm protected with the wall on one side and my mom on the other side. And then I wake up a few hours later because I sense that someone's there staring at me. And I pick my head up and I look over my mom back at the door and he's there and he's just staring again. And then he didn't charge me again and I never saw him again after that. He just eventually went away that night. But that was that was my scariest so experience terrifying. in that house. It's yeah. I'd had other nice ones in my bedroom where like I've had two or three times I had like a spirit tuck me in like the little ch- that's ch- nice ch- around your body. It sounds scary, but that was comforting. Yeah, and that was arguably like closer and more physical of something for me to experience. Where like and someone stroking my hair, those were all fine. This experience, that well, this was terrifying. Corinne, I will say I am glad that you saw him again because. Had it just been the first part, I would have some fear that this spirit came into you. Like possessed me. And like it's lurking inside of you. But the fact that you saw it again later really yeah. reassures me. I hope. What was that? Yeah. I'm on I'm on edge. Oh. Is he is he in your apartment now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving my headphone. I know. So it, I can hear on the outside world. Yeah. But that story terrifies me. It is creepy because it's like I mean, you will we'll cover it on your special, mm-hmm. the Sabrina special. But like, it is 
interesting to think of because it's like your your dad is a living example of that where like there's something whether it's a version of him or something else in him that's that exists coexists with his current state of consciousness yeah and so you never really know when something's gonna attach itself to you or become part of you i don't know yeah or is it always a part of you always a part of you Man, how long have we been doing this? I feel like I'm barely in It's anywhere. been an hour. This isn't good. <laughs> <laughs> we might need to do a part Jeez. two because I have not eaten today. Oh, we've recently been talking about how parts of your soul like could split off of you if things happen to you. What if that then leaves room within yourself for spirits to like transfer part of them in you? Ooh, ooh. Okay. I mean, I feel like that could be both beneficial and horrifying because then you get you get bad attachments. Yeah. But then I'm also thinking like, what if that's something that helps you become more powerful in your own craft and your own spirituality and like accepting yourself? Like what if really good spirits too and like your own spirit guides and i'll take a piece of mary shelley your loved ones right like they can come to you and give you yeah. little pieces of themselves nice. to borrow in your current life but how do you to make you whole again how do you protect yourself from the bad ones that want to i don't know take over this is all a great point i am not sure <laughs> i'm not sure that you can i am hopeful that there is a way but we yeah. just don't know how to yes should we just do a part two? How many more do you have? Do you want to finish like your adolescence and then we'll do a... I'll finish high school yeah. and then we'll do co- college and, and post-college. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. Man, sorry. I hope this is interesting. It is. Are you kidding me? A, a jumbled... It, no, Corinne, I can okay. promise you this is amazing <laughs> and people want to hear your ghost stories. I mean, people come here for ghost stories and the fact that you are living evidence of someone who has had enough to I fill up a lot. over an hour... Yes. Of their own experiences is one horrifying. Sorry for your experiences. We've got a lot. But incredible. Mm-hmm. And probably reassuring to people who are also very similar to you, very haunted. Yeah. Well, and to like another thing about growing up in my house is like me and my parents and my brother, we all experienced so much, but it actually took us a really long time for us to come together and even share our experiences with one another. We would do like a one-off of like, oh, I was scared because this happened. But it didn't mean that just because I told my mom what happened that I then went to my brother and my dad and we announced it mm-hmm. at the dinner table and all discussed right. all the goings on in our house. But there was actually a moment where I think I was in high school or I might have been just about to go into high school where someone said something and it basically got us. Someone said something about one of our resident ghosts, but we didn't know that we all saw oh. the resident ghost. Like it was specifically, I remember it was about the tall man in the dining room. We all thought that we were individually seeing him and we didn't realize that we all were having the same sort of experiences with him. And so that's that was like a pivotal moment where we all were like, wait, do you also see this person? Do you see that? And then we started to realize like what we all had together, together and what we had experienced separately. We put the puzzle together. Yeah. We were putting the puzzle Also, together. remember how moments ago yeah. I got scared by something? I'm pretty sure it was my own mm-hmm. stomach grumbling because it just happened again and it was <laughs> so loud. Oh, no. Oh, no. I feel bad. No, it's okay. I want you to go eat. I will after this. Okay. Part of me is a little nervous recording this because I did have ex- an experience when I was in high school, again, with my best friend Meg at the time. I've told you this. Yeah. Where we were on Zoom talking and then I heard – I might be mixing up who experienced what, but I'm pretty sure I had just heard like kind of like a fuzziness and like a and then the Zoom timed out or like exited. And when I called her back, she was very scared and she said that she saw a black mist come into frame and like encapsulate me essentially. 
So even if you weren't in my house, you might still experience the hauntings oh from gosh. from afar. This is why it's like I'm glad yeah. that we have YouTube video versions of this, but I'm really terrified that something like that is going to happen one of the days that we're recording. It's going to happen. Which would be good to have evidence of, but also terrifying for whoever experiences it and sees it. Right. You know? I know. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I feel, there's There's been a few occasions where people will flag something, and I, I think we've debunked some of it, like Nick in the background mm-hmm. and, and some of the things. But still, there are things that come up we can't quite explain. Yeah, plenty. Okay, so a few of the other things that started to happen – and this is actually, I could probably trace this back to Littleton because it was a recurring dream for my entire adolescence. Mm. I had a few recurring dreams that were extremely disturbing. And I can only guess that it had to do with like the negative presences or just like spiritual activity that was spirit activity that was happening in my house because no child could create this from their mind. Ugh. It's dark. Okay. I'm going to tell you three of them. Oh, Okay. Oh. The three were and also by the way, I was sleepwalking a lot as a young kid, which was of probably course. terrifying for my Yeah. Yeah. Usually I would just go wake up my mom and like give her some gibberish and instructions and she would walk me back. But there was one time where I woke up and I was just like standing in the middle of my parents' room staring at their like turned off blank TV in the darkness. <laughs> and I woke up that time. But how many other times was I just wandering around the, the house and, and no, no one, one woke up? up. It and makes me think up. of Selena. It's creepy to think about. Selena Spooky. Is that her name on TikTok? Oh, S- Selena Spooky Boo. Yeah. She, her sleepwalking yes, her sleepwalking series, is amazing. It also makes me laugh so hard, but it is like, it really feels like she's living another life. Well, I think she talked to a psychic who said that she was interacting with spirits yeah. or or like was fully in the astral plane basically 100%. while she was sleepwalking. Yeah. Okay, well, so some of the the stuff that I was dealing with with like recurring nightmares, I guess. Well, I'll just tell two, two of them. Well, tell them all. Actually, I'll just. T- they're all so fucked up. Okay, I'll just tell two of them, but they're all tr- trigger warning. Yeah, I was gonna say just put a trigger warning. Okay. This is like a trigger warning for like all of the above, like assault, murder, death of children, death of adults. Oh gosh, those are your trigger warnings, and this was coming from like a five-year-old brain. And you had reoccurring? Like these happened to you multiple times? Yes, it happened. Yes. Okay. Yes. It would happen all the time. I know. So one of them was, you know, those, the old like teeth toy that would, you can wind up and it goes, I would have a recurring nightmare of this woman who was pregnant and she was in bed. It was almost like a TV set where like I was on the side and I could see like the window and her bed and everything set up. And she's like in the bed and she's basically like screaming for for me to help her as this thing like basically is not a toy, but like is trying to like eat her alive underneath the sheets and like take taking out chunks of her. Oh my gosh. How old were you? And then the, I was like five when this they started. Five or six probably. It was definitely – it might have started in my Littleton house. I can't remember. The beginnings of a dark was, mind. I think it was my Vermont my Vermont house, though. But the one that, like, by far was the most reoccurring, where I probably had it every few months, and it was so, so disturbing and, like, really rattled me, was I would dream of this conveyor belt. There was, like, a black void. And in this black void, there was a conveyor belt far, far in the distance, like, a football field away. And then there was my parents' bed from Littleton, just sitting with like a spotlight on the bed and I was in the bed Ah. and then my mom was next to me and she was asleep and I would watch as the conveyor belt would take parents sorry if anyone's watching on YouTube I had blood work done and so this is a really gross bruise but 
people, these parents would like basically just slowly go through the conveyor belt and they would, psychologists are for sure going to diagnose me right now, but like they would come out like in chunks, like fleshy chunks on the other side of the conveyor belt. Like it wasn't like they were just like, poof, they were dust or dead. Like they were cut up. Dis- horror Dismembered. movie. Yes. Yes. And then their children would be there like screaming and crying and trying to save their parents and they couldn't. And then there would always be like this little girl that would try to like run the football field to me screaming for help for me to help them. And that's so fucked up. And I don't like it has to be paranormal. Like who who would put that in my brain? I can't put that in my brain. What does that mean? I don't know. I'm trying to think like if there's anything that you could have caught a glimpse of around that time, like your parents watching a horror movie or something that put that in your mind. But it is so disturbing. No, the scariest movie I watched was (laughs) E.T. But it also... And I moved into my brother's room for like eight years after watching E.T. It was so scary. It also reminds me of... We've just heard so many listener stories where people have terrifying dreams like this where they're so horrific. There's so much violence. Mm -hmm. And... It's often associated with demonic entities trying to put mem- like put these terrifying things into their brain to make them fearful and frightened and therefore more weak, vulnerable. Well, it freaking worked. It was really scary. And actually, I did get diagnosed from the internet. Remember when from I was the talking internet. about- Well, from our podcast listeners, <laughs> that version of the internet. Oh. Do you remember a few years ago when I was talking about when I was in like middle school and high school, I would have these feelings and still I had a couple times into going into adulthood- where I'd have these feelings where it was almost like circusy, where like things yes. were really fast and then really slow and people's voices were like jumbled and I was like, Ooh, and thrown around and it was so disorienting and so scary. Apparently, let me get, look it up because I did get diagnosed <laughs> unofficially from our podcast. Listeners. I don't know why it's that makes ta- me laugh so tachy, much. Tachy sensia, tachy sensia. I, yeah, where everything appears to be speeding up and sounds become unusually loud. But I think it can go both ways where it's like, Fast and slow, huh? Loud and quiet, like very circusy. But mm. I was looking that up, and it, it said that they don't really know what causes it, but they think that it could be like due to a virus or a lack of oxygen in the brain for a moment. And so, mm. there's no way for me to track it down. But I do wonder if that happened only in times when I was really sick. Although I also I can't remember. Feel that. like it happens. Like maybe you're teetering between timelines. Ooh, what an interesting theory. I don't know. Where like this dimension is getting a little shaky and what if Yeah, there's like a ripple you're, like a, being ripped between. Yeah. I don't know. Mm, that's super fascinating. Anyway, this is now like my diagnosis <laughs> podcast. I feel like I just that was like the segment that was like is it paranormal or is Corinne just suffering from some sort of mental or physical start every illness. episode with like a hey this is what's going on with us can you someone who's listening who's informed and knowledgeable <laughs> please diagnose us diagnose us let us know i just imagine like a gas like someone who's in gastronology or like the stomach field who hears us complain about our stomachs all the time and it's just like oh my gosh you guys you guys are so constipated figure it out yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, hey, if you want to give us some like a free blood work and diagnosis, please do. Yeah, please. That shit is expensive. <laughs> Man. All right. I'm going to try to speed it up and and get through stuff. I'm going to skip some things, which is fine. Okay. Just remember, mark, mark it so, I already, so we can come back to it. I want to okay. – everyone wants to know all of it. But just mark it and we'll come back okay, to well, it. Okay. Well, there's no way we can hear all of it. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. I'll just tell like a series of shorter, okay. shorter experiences to wrap up the high school experience. So one is one that you guys have heard all before. 
it, well, if you've listened to the podcast in order and are fully caught up, which was that I used to frequent this frequency, maybe not the right word. I used to just shop at this store called Spirit Dancer in Burlington, Vermont. And it's a spiritual metaphysical shop. So they would have like crystals and tarot cards and books and they would do readings and whatnot there. And I usually wouldn't necessarily buy anything. I would just walk around because I thought it was cool. Me and one of my friends would frequent there mm-hmm. every time we went down downtown. That was like a fun. fun thing to do. Yeah. But up at the desk or the checkout counter, there was a rack of pendulums, like crystal pendulums that are all hanging there. And all of them are completely still. There's a little sign that says, like, do not touch, ask for assistance. And the person that was working behind the desk was talking to us. And we were just, like, asking questions about the pendulums. And then I said, well, I think I said something like, well, hmm, like, which one should I pick? Which one should I choose? And out of this row of perfectly still hanging pendulums, one of them just starts violently swinging back and forth, back and forth. And the person behind the desk was spooked, was like, holy shit. And I'm like a 17 at this point. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll get this one because I was like, I guess pendulums pick you. It's kind of like, you know, like the wand picks you, the pendulum picks you. And the person behind the desk was like, are you sure you you want that? And I was like, yeah, I am. But then I very rarely use it because I am a little nervous that there was some spirit that was so intent on me bringing it home and using it. I get a little But that's the one that you freaked used out about it. on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the only one I have. I feel like it it's a good me. spirit. It's the only one that's like violently yeah. reacted to my presence. It was probably your guardian because so. I feel like when you use those, it's supposed to be your guardian and those types of spirits coming through. So I do feel positive about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> that's good. So I have the pendulum. Okay. Now we're going to we're gonna move on specifically to high school times mm-hmm. because there were some things that happened to be outside of the house, but we're still very much spirit related. Okay. So in high school, my best friend, Meg, who I've already talked about a few times with different experiences that we've had. Her and I, I think we went to Spirit Dancer and actually did buy some like meditation tapes that were about being able to feel your aura. And I never got to feel her aura really, but she was able to figure it out and like feel mine. And there's like some serious resistance. Sabrina, you and I will have to practice it. But her and I spent a ton of time together. Like she was my best friend throughout all of high school. We were always at each other's houses. And I was over at her house one day and her bedroom was on the second story um but it had like a a door that went out onto the roof of the garage so part of her bedroom was like basically a roof like it was really right. fun in high That's school cool. to go like just sit out on this little yeah this little section of roof and like watch the stars at night or like hang out or whatever up there sneak out and so her and i were up on sneak out yeah her but there's nowhere to go oh. this is farm country where are we gonna do run 20 miles <laughs> to some friend's house no there was you don't get to go anywhere <laughs> But we were <laughs> we were up on the roof and I look down and I see her dad walking up the driveway and I say, oh, look, there's your dad. And as I say that, she looks down and this man who I thought was her dad walks through the car and disappears. And she was like, where? And I was like, oh, oh, never mind. <laughs> I think I just saw a ghost. Oh. But this man is just walking through their driveway in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> like so clearly was not just w- was not a spirit to me like it, it he looked fully formed like fully right s- solid he looked like a real person which and that was interesting because for the most part when i see spirits a lot of the times it's not me i have like all of the clairs like the clair cognizant clair whatever i oftentimes will hear them 
Sometimes I smell them. Sometimes I just know that they're there. Mm. I get like downloaded information on what they look like, but like my physical eyes aren't seeing anything, but I know what they look like, what they're wearing, who they are basically. Like I get pieces fed to me or I'll just see like little blips of something or like someone will look like like a ghost, you like are the just wisp of a, of a person. You're you're a medium. I think you're a medium, Corinne. I think I'm an extremely untrained and blocked off medium. I think if I, I think I could get there if I were like really tap in. dedicated at the time. Your too. spirit guides but want this you one to. Was interesting. I know they're asking they you keep to. Me to. I will. I will. But that one was interesting because this guy, similar to the spirit I saw on my stairs, well. I guess it's still different because like this person I thought was an actual person versus the the spirit I had sprint at me and push me down in my bedroom. I knew it was a spirit, even though I could like see what they looked like. But then I'll leave you on just a few things that happened, a few final things that happened when I was in high school. So one of them was when I was, was it this? No, never mind. I like how you looked to me about something that I was not a part of. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm confused. Was it this life or another life? Was that what you're going to ask me? Was it this life or another life? No, I was in, I was in, um, w- well, what I was going to ask was, was it in college or was it in high school? Because now I'm, I'm having trouble remembering, but I think it was in, they might've both been in high school where when I was in the theater area and up on the stage for like public speaking class or intro to acting or whatever the heck I was taking. I remember specifically two different times and whether it be in high school or another time, that is uncertain. But I saw a girl with a, she had brunette hair and it was put into a ponytail and she was wearing a backpack and she was walking up the aisle, like towards the exit. And I remember flagging to whoever I was next to. I was like, oh, who's that? And then gone. She basically like dissipated into thin air. And then I had another experience Similar to that where I saw a little boy kind of like darting and running in between the aisles playing. Oh. So I was seeing stuff outside of my own Well, because you are open. Too. You can see things. That's why you're I guess open. so. This reminds me of, remember when we, yeah. you, me, and Izzy went ghost hunting at the LMU? Or I guess I have a problem with hunting because we're not hunting the spirits. We are investigating. We went paranormal ghost investigating. We're ghost watching. We're watching. It's like you go bird watching, you go hunting. ghost watching. Mm-hmm. Or watching. And we went to the LMU theater at, late at night after a couple drinks, and we tried to look for ghosts. I remember hearing noise on the rafters yes. in the theater. Yeah. Do you remember I that? I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So places are haunted, and I I guess I can experience it some places that I go. Um, but I'll, I guess like the last thing I'll say for my high school experience, and I always feel a little silly telling these, well, I guess I'm going to tell two experiences in one, but okay. I do feel a little like sensitive about telling these experiences because they do involve other people who've passed on. But um, when I was younger, I knew someone and spent a lot of time snowboarding with this, this guy, Sam, and he passed away very tragically when he was 14 years old, freshman in high school. So sad. And I didn't know him personally that well. Like we just spent a lot of time as a group, like being our little hooligan snowboarding club. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know much detail, like personal detail about his life. But after he passed, a lot of people who knew him had different experiences. 
there was, for example, like one person who was one of his best friends was vacationing and had a toucan land on him. And then the owner came up and was like, oh, sorry that my toucan, like toucan Sam. Mm. But like still it was like that connection. And then someone had lit a candle in his remembrance and the candle started, the flame colors started changing to a bunch of like going through like the rainbow. So a lot of people had experiences. But my specific experience was I had two different dreams about him and they all felt extremely real. It did not feel like a dream at all. The first one, he like went to hug me, but I'd actually in real life recently broken my rib snowboarding and he went to hug me and I went, oh, and he goes, I know, I know, I'll be careful. And he hugs me. And then I think he was just like sitting down and being like, I'm okay. Like everything's okay. Just giving me a, a little like basic, like all is well. Don't worry about me. Yeah. Or like tell people, don't worry about me. And then the other dream I had, I ended up writing down and my mom like called his parents for me to go over and sit down and tell them my dream. And it was because the dream I had made no sense to me. He was bringing me through my own house, like room to room and and in the front yard, in the backyard. But he was showing me the weirdest things. Like it was like a canoe and then there was like a slingshot and we just like spent a lot of time over these random objects. And I was like, I don't know what this is. Like, yeah, I see you from the months of November through March. Right. And I don't know what all this random stuff is, but basically it ended up being really like significant like moments from his life. And so when I sat down and told his parents, they were kind of like, wow, this is this is making sense. And to me, you know, like I feel a little silly telling the story because I was young still. And so I think and his parents were like the most kind and generous and loving people you will ever meet. Like they are they're like the whole the parents that like adopt the entire yeah, community. Like everyone sort of goes over there. Yeah. Truly amazing. Yeah. Right. And so part of me, when I recall this, I, I almost don't know what to believe because I feel like they're just so open and so kind and so sweet where I'm like, did they just tell me everything made sense to help me with my own healing? Or was this really authentically like it, a, a message? During a time of grieving, I doubt that they would just be placating a child. Yeah, true. And then the other thing, which I feel a little weird telling, but I guess I've already said it on the podcast, is that I graduated high school early. I know it's a shocker because I can barely speak English on this podcast and I have one and a half brain cells. But I graduated high school early and I moved out to California. To be an actress. To be an actress. Before I moved, I was... I don't remember if it was like a year before or a couple months before. I feel like I've told the story so many times. The timeline is getting a little bit blurred now. But... Sometime before I moved to Los Angeles, I was driving down the road that connects my high school to the my town. And it's this long stretch and it's a few houses on either side, but it's a lot of like farmland. Mm-hmm. And I was driving down it and I just got the most horrible, horrible feeling. And I just felt like someone had died. Like it felt like death. It felt like grief. It felt like tragedy. And so I called my mom as I was driving on my cell phone and I was like, someone either just died here or is going to die here. Like, I don't know what to tell you, but like I feel awful here and i could not stop crying i was like oh my gosh really really losing it and my mom was like it's okay it's okay like i'm sure everything's gonna be fine we got off the phone i got home i had finished crying by then and my mom had had experiences too similar to this where like she'll accidentally astral project like she witnessed my breakup with a middle school boyfriend that she thought was a dream but she had accidentally astral projected and like yeah repeated the whole conversation to me like she's known when other people have died. Like she she also has experiences like this. Yeah. But this was my first time being like, holy shit, I feel awful here. And like this land is this land is stained with death somehow. And this land that I have 
I've driven back and forth from probably 700 times. Today feels extremely different and it feels yeah. awful. But she was like, it's fine. It's fine. Anyway, fast forward many months later, I'm living in LA and I just get this horrible feeling one day that someone from my high school is going to die. And my mom texts me maybe like an hour or two after I have this feeling. And then she said, have you talked to? And then she like insert my friend's, a friend's name. And I said, oh my God, no, why? Because I assumed. Right. I was, I was feeling so confidence, not the right word, because I don't want to like, I didn't wish for anyone right. obviously to die, but feeling. like the feeling was just so strong. Yeah. Yes. That I assumed that that was what the text was about and it wasn't. So I was like, okay, phew, I'm just like overreacting. I must be just like catching someone else's feelings around me. And it has actually nothing to do with me. And then a few hours after that, so probably like eight, nine hours after I get the actual feeling like someone from high school is going to die. I find out from a friend that someone that I did grow up with and spent a lot of time with as a really young child. And like he was in my high school in the same grade as me, that he had a car accident and he went off the road. That road. And he unfortunately, yeah, right there where I had started crying before and called my mom. Um, oh. And unfortunately he did not, he did not survive. It was tragic. That's so hard. My dad drove by the car accident and didn't know. Oh no. That it was him or that it was a car accident. Oh, it's yeah. also just like. It was very tragic. Okay. Well, again, this reaffirms, Corinne, you are very, very in tune that you have this ability. Again, the story with Sam too, like that is very much what medium psychics are capable of doing. They get these messages, they can give them to other people. And then the fact that this, you experienced this feeling way before this ever happened, which again, emphasizes this idea of like timelines, things yeah. all happening at once. I feel the same way though, that so many other people have who actually like do receive these messages where it's really frustrating and it's heartbreaking and it kind of haunts you for the rest of your life to know that you knew something, but you didn't know enough yeah. details to save the person, to to let someone know or to try to intervene. Like it feels kind of unfair of the universe to- To give you those. Give you bits and pieces of it. Right. Because then it's like- But Corinne- Yeah. Why? Like why even give it to me if I can't do anything to prevent it? I- but I don't even know if the universe understand. is giving it to you. I think you just pick up on it. And unfortunately, they accidentally downloaded it. Are some things that we have no power or ability to change. Yeah. But all I will well, say, Corinne, and I know that that story hurt, you know, is difficult for you, but this episode, the fact that it is an hour and a half long and we are only halfway through your experiences pretty much. I just want to emphasize your guardians and like reiterate what they've been saying because you are so incredibly powerful. I think you really need to spend the time working on this. I know. I know. I know. I say that in like an exasperated tone, but it's because Sabrina, you and I in the past year have had what, like three, three tarot card readings, I guess. And every single one or, like, has told psychic you. Psychic sit downs. Every single one of my readings is the same, where it's basically my spirit guides being like, come on, you got to tap into it. Let's go, Corinne. And in the last reading we had, what was interesting was I always think to myself like, oh, well, I don't have time. Or like, I I just feel so busy. Like, what? How, who has time to meditate for like 15 minutes and then learn all these A other day. things on top of it? That's it. I, you do I know, have the time. I know, but it feels heavy. It feels heavy. It's like hard for me to build new habits. It definitely is. Yeah, yeah. 
But what's interesting in our last reading was that that the the reader was the psychic, like in the middle of saying another thought, and another thing was like, "Sorry, the your spirit guides are are coming back again." And they said, "You really need to do it. Like, it's not a big deal to take ten minutes a day." Yeah. And they basically were like telling me, "Stop making excuses." And so let's do it. I will hold you accountable. Okay, let's set a calendar. I better reminder. just if I'm gonna do it, I better be so damn good at it that I. I can give accurate messages when I need to. Well, you got to practice. You can only – The only way you get there is if you practice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Everyone send vibes to Corinne that she has to do this. <laughs> Bully me on the internet into <laughs> into becoming more in tune with my own abilities. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I have blocked a lot of them off over time. I think there's been moments in the podcast where I've gotten really spooked and I've tried to block things off or it just – it's sometimes just like emotionally exhausting to yeah. open yourself up and like take on other people's emotions and to not know like what's going to wake you up in the middle of the night and what's right. going to be around the next corner. And it just takes a lot of extra energy. So sometimes it is easier to just like block you myself know, off. But then it's hard to unblock. What you need is a mentor. Do you want to be my mentor? I can't. I don't know anything. I don't <laughs> have powers. I think you need to find someone oh, who is like okay. tapped in, who knows what they're doing, who has gone like a through psychic it. Mentor. Yeah. Someone who knows how to protect mm-hmm. yourself, all of those things who can help guide you through this process of learning and growing, channeling. Yeah. But channeling. Until then, we'll follow along in this journey. I'll ask Until then. I'll ask for updates. And we'll get a part two of this episode because Corinne is haunted as F. As F. A F. Yeah. And I'll I'll write out part two a bit better because I, no, I was, was like, incredible. oh, I'm going to go in Corinne, chronological stop. order this episode. Corinne, stop. And I was like, bing, 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 bing. Here's my random timeline. Okay. Stop being mean to yourself. Stop. Stop it right there. I got the finger wave. I got the finger. No, 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 no. Take it back. You're brilliant. That was an incredible episode. And don't be so hard on yourself. For part two of my experiences, thank you. (laughs) I think part two of my experiences will be all the more exciting as well because it does include many encounters that I experienced alongside you. So there are a few Corinne and Sabrina experiences for part two. Okay, lovely. And then we'll do the Sabrina special. Yes, 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 yes. I have to write those down too. But until then, there are so many ways for you to support us. Email us your encounters to two girls, one ghost podcast at gmail.com so we can have a you episode and then Mm -hmm. follow us on social media and rate and review us on iTunes and join our Patreon. There's so many fun bonuses. This will be on Patreon first. So if you're listening, hi, and then it will come out on a regular feed. And what else? Merch, buy merch, pyramid scheme, those things, you know, you know, you know what you're doing. (laughs) Pyramid scheme. Oh, yeah. Thank you to our editors at Upfire Digital. And thank you to all of you for listening. Yes, thank you. And we do hope that we get to meet you and see you on this side. But if we do not, we will see see you you on on the the other other side. side. Very spooky. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 